Welcome to The Common Round. Medical education for medical students by medical students. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And joining us today is our executive producer, Gautam. And today we will be talking about lymphomas. Yeah. Going into the more nitty gritty of them. Yeah, the more probably the more clinically relevant. Um, So hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the introduction. And I suggest if you haven't, please go back and listen. Because it really sets the scene for what we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. I don't anticipate this this episode being really long because of that introductory lecture. So So, let's go through it. So we're breaking it down today into two main parts. So we'll talk about non-Hodgkin's and a few key important non-Hodgkin type lymphomas. And then we'll finish it off with... Hodgkin's lymphomas, and then also treatments. Yeah, perfect. So a non-Hodgkin lymphoma, once again, the most common type of a lymphoma. Yeah. Okay, So and we'll start off with chronic lymphocytic leukemia, or also known as the small lymphocytic leukemia. That's right, yeah. What is it? As the name suggests, it's a disease affecting the lymphocytes, predominantly indolent, which is really <coughs> good news. So by indolent, we mean that it's not aggressive, it's not rapidly pro- proliferating to the point where it causes... Um, you know, significant problems for the patient. But as we mentioned, it's a clonal malignancy of the mature B cells. And the keyword here is mature. And because it's mature, they're bound, some, the cells are bound to have some immune function. Mm-hmm. That's why this condition is not as lethal as some of the mm-hmm. other ca- types of leukemias that we might, or lymphomas we will come across. Mm-hmm. Now, 50% of the cells would have undergone somatic hypermutation. Mm-hmm. And 50% may have may have not undergone that uh, somatic hypermutation. And the ones that haven't actually have a worse prognosis than the, than the ones that, that have. Mm. I think because they are probably a little bit more mature, and so they might be capable of having more of an immune response as well. Maybe. Uh, possibly. That's that's the theory I'm, I'm throwing mm. out there. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know how we mentioned in our previous podcast that it's really important to sort of see what cell lines they're from the markers what, yeah yeah what sort of markers would you would you would you expect some of the cd um the b cell markers on there definitely it's because yeah. it's a b cell right so yeah. you would see cd19 cd23 those are no, the, uh yeah, yep cd20 uh, yep CD, uh, 22 yeah 20, 20. so yeah cd19 cd20 and 22 for yep. most b cells yep but how do you know what you've got here? So uniquely, you've got a CD5 positive on a chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which is quite uncommon because the CD5 usually is on a on a T cell. But so yeah, so that's one of the key markers, and plus another one called CD23. Exactly. Yeah. We have to say that CD5 is also found in mantle cell lymphomas as well. But mm. the interesting thing is, mantle cell lymphomas don't express CD23, and that's how you can differentiate the two. Mm. That's why it was really important for us to talk about that in our previous podcast. So and 23. So, like we mentioned that it's indolent, um, but incurable, unfortunately, and okay. it's slow, progress- uh, slow progressing. Mm-hmm. Do you really need to treat it at all? I guess gentle treatment would be it's enough to control the symptoms yeah. should be suffice. So it's more of a, like a supportive treatment until the disease progresses. Mm. Um, what would be like, h- how do we go about like staging this condition? So there is a staging system called the binet staging, yeah. um, depending on how many lymphoid areas that are affected or enlarged or whether if there's anemia or thrombocytopenia that's developing, but I don't think yeah. I'll go into much detail. I think, yeah, let's not focus too much into staging because, you know, staging always changes um, yeah. with time as well as, as more information is discovered about these cancers. What are some of the complications of CLL? So with CLL, um, you could have bone marrow failure, 
uh, possibly because of this proliferation of these lymphoid cells and um, maybe once again for the same reasons why uh, bone marrow failure has occurred for the previous few topics maybe yeah. they've displaced the other cells in the maybe I'm not sure how readily these get into the blood cells but I think mm-hmm. you know you're dealing with you know mutations yeah. and these mutations may also affect possibly stem cells mm. as well what else can you see an interesting one is hypogamma globulinemia. <laughs> it's a very long word, but essentially it's you, the body has low levels of immunoglobulin being yeah. produced. And so what the way I think of it is that chronic lymphoid leukemia cells, although we mentioned they're mature, but in our last talk we mentioned that they're at a pre-germinal center stage. What that means is that they are in the lymph nodes, but they haven't undergone somatic hypermutation. They're not these; they're relatively naive B cells. So these cells, they—they're not plasma cells. They will not produce immunoglobulins. Yeah, I mean, particularly in this case where you know, at, at least to our knowledge, fifty percent don't undergo oh, yeah. somatic hypermutation, True. and that fifty yeah. percent, whilst they might be able to express B cell receptors on the surface, they're not plasma cells, so they're not producing immunoglobulins. Yeah. If you're not producing immunoglobulins, then you're going to be immunodeficient essentially Um, so that's yeah that's a really interesting component increases your risk of infections and immunosuppressant so that's another uh, complication and one final one was uh, 5% undergo this thing called a uh, Richter's transformation Mm. uh, which essentially is that these chronic lymphocytic leukemias have a chance of developing into this aggressive uh, diffuse large B cell lymphoma yeah exactly right and that's why I guess we worry about about Mm. this as well so there's another type of lymphomas called either small lymphocytes or follicular lymphomas, Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, what's the cause of that? So this one is a translocation from the 14th chromosome onto the 18th one. Mm. And I believe it's a um, on the heavy chain on the 14th uh, chromosome is replaced by BCL2 yep. on, uh, from, from the 18th chromosome. Yeah. What does that do again? So the heavy chain, yeah. obviously that's important. That's a key part of antibody form uh, antibodies receptors, and also the yeah. receptors on b yep. cells mm. and so it's an area that is going to be constitutively active yes. because these b cells their role is to produce b cell receptors to express on their surface yes and so suddenly if you replace that with bcl2 mm-hmm. you have this new gene that can lead to stabilization of mitochondrial membrane so that's mm-hmm. going to prevent leakages of cytochrome c and cytochrome c when it leaks into the cytoplasm it and, and is recognized by the nucleus that can lead to apoptosis yes but suddenly when you stabilize the mitochondrial membranes you don't get that leakage yes. and so the cells don't know when to die yes and so they continue to grow mm-hmm. and continue to divide yeah and that's why that can lead to follicular lymphomas that's true i think it's very important for b cells to know when to die especially when let's let's say if they auto react mm. if they're auto reactive they're meant to be killed yeah off, but yeah. but this constant expression of a bcl2 prevents it from dying exactly and they're called um follicular lymphomas because they're often seen in the follicles okay um, yeah. hence why we talked about spent all that time about uh, in the previous podcast about lympho lymphoid tissue yeah now they can be in the para- they can be in the uh, paratrabeculae so around the sinuses and trabeculas in the in mm-hmm. the bo- uh, in the lymph nodes and there can be some infiltration of the bone marrow as well with this condition okay sure the way to distinguish it though is that so yeah they're going to have you know cd i believe cd19 cd20 and cd20 True, because yep. they're B cells. Yep. But what's unique about them is that they're going to have CD10. Okay. But they're still going to express um, surface immunoglobulin, so they're still going to have their B um, B cell receptors as well. Yeah. How do you? What's the pro? Like, how do you stage in a prognosis uh, yep. of, of this condition? So the prognosis is by this thing called Flippy, and and it's basically 
you look at a certain few items and you give one score for each. Yeah. If you've got more than three points, it's a poor prognosis. And so here are a, a sample of some of the things that we look at. So you look at whether if there's more than five uh, notable sites that are affected, whether if you have a raised LDH level, whether if the person's greater than 60 years of age, whether if it's a stage three or four type of, um, according to the Ann Arbor, Arbor staging, yeah. which we mentioned last episode, or whether if the hemoglobin count is actually low. Yeah. yeah. Which means that there's probably bone matter infiltration and crowding out if it's that low. Yes. And you, again, this is indolent. So you only treat if the patient becomes symptomatic. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about general principles of treatment. We don't go into too much detail because things change with oncology and with um, hematology. So we'll just keep it very broad. Mm -hmm. So the next one that I think we should cover is um, diffuse light cell lymphoma. Yes. Now, is that an aggressive one or is that an indolent type? There were two types of diffuse large cell Mm. lymphomas, right? And I believe one is more aggressive than the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a whole, they're pretty aggressive. Yeah. uh, subclass of lymphomas but you mentioned there's two types what are they so one's a germ one's the germinal center um, diffuse large b-cell lymphoma and the other one is an activated b-cell like diffuse large b-cell lymphoma so yeah. abc subtype yeah and yeah so from the name you can tell that the uh, the germinal center type is found mainly in the germinal center whereas the was that correct yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Pre- predominantly in in the um, germinal centers, right. and the other one is more diffuse, mm. um, so that it's more everywhere. It's not just you know um, confined to the follicles; it's everywhere. And that I guess yeah. that suggests shows you that this condition can be really much more problematic because these cells are everywhere, mm. not uh, confined to a particular spot. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess as we mentioned, a small percentage of follicular lymphomas can transform into diffuse light cell lymphomas as well. Yeah. And like like we said, you can uh, the internet in terms of there are international prognostic index that can be used, and again one score for each of the their items. We won't go through it because it obviously don't have time to go through all, each of them. Yeah. And the higher the score, the worse the prognosis. Sure. Um, that's pretty much it. There's mm-hmm. one that we really need to talk about, and that's Burkitt's lymphoma. Ooh, the most aggressive of them all. Yeah. Highly aggressive B cell lymphoma. It's often localized at presentation. And it has a high chance of actually having the CNS getting mm. involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the key point of a Burkitt's lymphoma is a eight to fourteen translocation, and essentially- and again, notice how it's eight to fourteen. Fourteen being the heavy chain. So heavy chain seems to be a common um, feature of these conditions. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great point to note. So if you were to guess in a lymphoma exam, and you, you meant to guess like a um, translocation. If you see 14, odds are... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a target. <laughs> odds are that one of them has to be right. Okay, so um, okay, so it's an A to 14, and this time what... Uh, it's this thing called a CMYC... C-MIC. C-MIC. Yeah. Uh, that is being translocated onto the heavy chain. Essentially, with an increased expression of C-MIC, you've got increased cell proliferation. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. There's an association with Epstein-Barr virus as well. Okay. And also remember how we mentioned in our previous podcast that you need to watch out for HIV patients, patients that have had Epstein-Barr virus and lupus. Yeah. And lupus. yeah. Surprise, surprise. Ooh. Epstein-Barr virus and also patients with HIV yeah. may present with this. Okay. And again, these cells can express um, B-cell receptors on the surface and yep. they're B-cells, so they're going to have CD20 as well, for example. Okay. Let's move on to Hodgkin's lymphoma because we really didn't talk about it in our introductory no. podcast. So let's spend a little bit more time on this one. Why not? So tell me more about uh, Hodgkin's yep. lymphoma. So the characteristics of previously non-Hodgkin lymphomas where they were this monoclonal mass of lots of B-cells that all were abnormal. But in from my understanding, with, non-Hodg- uh, with Hodgkin's lymphomas, 
sorry, Hodgkin's lymphomas. We're talking about um, these rare neoplastic cells called Reed-Sternberg cells. Yeah. It's not a huge mass of neoplastic cells, but we've just got amongst a mix of regular cells, we've got these rare uh, neoplastic cells called Reed-Sternberg cells. Mm. So you see Reed-Sternberg, think of Hodgkin's. Lymphoma yeah, it's straight. very unique to this. I think that's yeah. pretty much Hodgkin's is associated with these um, yeah. cell types. Now, it's thought that these cells arise from the German centipede cells, but this okay. is a hot area of research, so it's still not 100% clear. Interesting. And again, there's an association with Epstein-Barr virus, but it's not the role of Epstein-Barr virus is not as clear in in Hodgkin's versus you know let's say Burkitt's lymphoma. Okay. And like um, we mentioned, these cells also have express CDs, and okay. the one that you should be looking out for is CD15 and CD30. Okay. But this is the interesting part. There's no CD20, which is you know you might expect huh. for a B cell, yeah, origin or, um, originating cell. But these guys don't have CD20. Okay. And like Hodgkin's lymphoma, there's subtypes as well. So okay. what are some of the subtypes? Four main subtypes according to the WHO. So there's nodular sclerosis, lymphocytic rich, lymphocytic, uh, uh, lymphocyte depleted, or mixed cellularity. And each one has a different prognosis, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the best prognosis and what's the uh, worst? Lymphocyte rich is the best prognosis, whereas lymphocyte depleted is the worst prognosis. That's easy to remember. Yeah. yeah. I guess if, you know, if the lymphocyte rich, it suggests that maybe these cells are, the, the lymph nodes are functioning properly, right? Whereas mm-hmm. if it's depleted, then something must be really yeah. gone wrong. Exactly. And so you can use that as a memory aid. Why not? Now, with mixellularity, the reason that's called mixellularity is that you can have lots of eosinophils. And the reason for this um, sort of observation is higher expression of interleukin-5 or higher production of interleukin-5 oh. by the reed steering cells that leads to the development of eosinophils. Yeah. But that brings us kind of to the clinical features. Yeah. So what are some of the clinical features of these patients? So you would have enlarged lymph nodes, but they're asymptomatic. So asymptomatic lymph adenopathy. Uh, these lymph nodes tell usually are non-tender, they're rubbery of consistency. You'd find them either in the cervical or supra supraclavicular region most mm-hmm. of the time 60 to 80 percent uh, you can find them in the axillary region under the armpits 10 to 20 percent of the time or you can find them in the groin region inguinal yeah. region yeah at six to twelve percent of the time yeah but predominantly you're looking at the supraclavicular and i guess in an yeah. exam when you're looking at lymph node exam that's a really hot area you know hot spot yeah. for you to keep and keep an eye out for and that's why you know they emphasize it so much in terms of like we mentioned you know uh reed stern stomach cells can produce cytokines right yeah and that can lead to some of the b symptoms that we've mentioned in the so previous what, fever night sweats and, and, um, and weight loss I yeah think. weight loss yeah um, and these can attract other lymphocytes and it can attract plasma cells and macrophages and eosinophils as we mentioned before mm. and some of these cells can lead to fibrosis and so that's why you can have nodular sclerosis as one of the subtypes so oh, in nodular sclerosis you sense. tend to get a, uh, you tend to see a lot more fibrosis in these patients yeah the interesting thing is though unlike say non Hodgkin's lymphoma. In Hodgkin's lymphoma, you start at a single node, okay, and then it just spreads one to another in a continuous fa- uh, fashion, oh. as opposed to let's say non-Hodgkin's, where there might be a bit of jumping around between the lymph nodes. Interesting. Um, so they just go and spread to the adjacent nodes, and then so forth, and that's how the disease progressively can, mm. uh, spreads in a sort of a continuous manner. That's cool. So let's fully yeah. talk about the treatment principles with lymphomas in general. So, what mm. do you do prior to treatment? Well, you would 
talk to the patient, educate yeah. them about their prognosis, mm-hmm. what uh, what would be expected of them. Yeah. And I guess one of the most important things, especially if the patient's young, yeah. is that before we start chemotherapy, we would try to see whether if we could uh, store their sperm or uh, eggs yeah. and consider if IVF, whether if they would like to have children in the future. Yeah, because uh, some of the chemotherapies that I use can render someone infertile, unfortunately. Definitely. And then some of the treatments can cause, you know, anthracyclines, for example, can cause... Um, cardiomyopathy if you've given an excessively high dose if you have heart failure or, or decreased cardiac function so you have to do heart scans so looking okay. at ejection fractions and things like that yeah. bleomycin for example can cause um, pulmonary pneumonitis you want to do long function tests to see what the baseline is and you have to monitor it okay. but what are the treatment principles mm-hmm. specifically um, you might need to help me out with this one so but essentially from my understanding was with the indolent subtypes of, um, of the lymphomas yeah. You, so CLL and follicular, for yeah, example. Yeah, you just um, they were more gentle, so you would just wait and watch, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and see how you, see how they go. But what what else would there be? Obviously, if the disease is aggressive, you can't sit and watch. You have to treat, and chemotherapy is the mainstay. So okay, you, yeah. it's often multi-agent. So you might use, you know, let's say multiple chemotherapies that target different phases of. And we're really speaking broadly here because yep. these things can always change. Yes. So you use multi-agent. You give it in cycles. So the first cycle would drop the cell count quite a lot Mm -hmm. the second cycle would drop it even further Mm -hmm. and then you know subsequent cycles keep dropping the cells i guess logarithmically in in some some types yeah and so you you really bring the cell counts down and they're really high dose so they can be obviously associated with lots of side effects but that needs to be weighed with the sort of the you know curative potential or um, symptom management Mm -hmm. you know how we mentioned some of these lymphomas such as um what was it? It was a CLL that can go into the spine, or one of them can go into the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sometimes give intrathecal to get into that site because those areas are often covered, protected by, let's say, the blood-brain barrier. You can give radiotherapy because you know you're you're dealing with nodes here. Yep. If he hasn't metastasized, so you can radiotherapy mm-hmm. is very effective. And I think in some of these cases, it can actually be curative. Yes. Whereas often radiotherapy is just palliation, broadly speaking. True. You can give. Uh, monoclonal antibodies such as rituximab so that's the anti-cd20 and cd20 is on essentially most, most of the b cells right yeah and so that's uh, wiping him out mm. and finally you can give maintenance treatment to prevent the disease from coming back and that's often with rituximab every two to three months particularly uh-huh. for example in follicular lymphomas yeah does stem cell play a role as well yeah they would i, I believe so you can either have an autologous or an allogenic stem cell transplant uh, if you're unfamiliar with the terminology Autologous means that you grab the patient's own stem cells and after chemotherapy, you give them back to, uh, you transplant them back to the patient themselves. On the other hand, whereas allogenic means that you grab somebody else's stem cells and transplant them into the patient. But yeah, so they they both have their roles. And I think that's probably the best chance of cure as well is to completely replace the the B cell lineage or the lineage in general, the stem cell lineage. Mm. So is there anything else you want to add before we finish off? No, I think we covered lymphomas. Yeah. We we skimmed through lymphomas. We did, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, As always, if you guys have any questions or want to um, raise any issues that we've discussed, please uh, let us know um, on our website um, using the feedback function um, yeah we always love hearing back from you guys so we're almost finishing the I'm kind of a bit nostalgic now we're, we're reaching the end of hematology we're going to finish off hematology by talking about multiple myeloma yeah um, we're super excited our next topic is also another heavy hitting one um, but we uh, look forward to simplifying it and sharing it with you guys well stay tuned see you later
Thank you for listening to our Common Rounds podcast. You can find all of our episodes, notes, selective experiences, and much more content on our website. So come visit us at thecommonrounds.wordpress.com. And see you next time.